Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. I want to preach a sermon entitled, Our Dwelling Places. Hallelujah. The spirit world is ranked. It doesn't seek ranking. And you don't rank yourself in the spirit. It's already ranked. Hallelujah. The spirit world advances every man in the ranks according to what he knows. There is an advancement in the ranks. The ranks are not solid places that can't move. They're not static. Praise the Lord. They move. Do you understand where I'm coming from? When you understand the gospel from that perspective, you realize that the certain things that as you grow in God persuade your spirit of either will never come nigh thee or if they should come nigh thee, they will never have the ability to afflict you. Why? Because of the place. I'll give you an example. Look at the mystery of epignosis. There's a reason as to why the New Testament only has two men who speak epignosis. The biggest part of the New Testament is just gnosko. You get it? Epignosko is the advanced knowledge in God. Meaning the man relates on the earthly, but with an advanced knowledge of the things present. He's not a man adopting, mutating, on the job, is a man fully established and learned. That's why the prophet says, the Lord has given me the tongue of the land to know how to speak. He didn't say to know what to speak. That man has gone past what to speak. He's in the place of how to speak it. That man has gone past the seven steps of making money. He knows how to make money. He has gone past how to heal, how to deliver. He is deeper than that. He shows men now the house. I don't know if you understand where I'm coming from. So when Peter speaks of the mystery on Paul and he says, our brother Paul, he has things that are hard. Things men who are unlearned and unstable wrestle with, like they do with our scriptures for their own destruction. To the level of how much unlearned you are or detached from epignosis is a very consequence that will result to how much damage you put on your spirit but yet still quoting scripture the very place why there are Christians who seem to know the word but they are not looking like the word they dissipate the anointing because when you look at them they are not equal to what they look to be knowing or rather they've been too born again for so long to have certain spirits after them praise the Lord I always tell the people at church, take heed when the things that should obey you don't. 
Are you hearing me? When something that must obey you does not respond. Why? Because there's a place in knowledge. Are you hearing me? For example, epignosis is a place. It's not an experience of adoption. There are men who are still at the level of preaching epignosis as they stumble on it. But God wants to get you out of that level to the level of preaching epignosis as easy new. You get where I'm coming from? That you're no longer ministering from the plane of what you learned on Thursday, but you're ministering from a plane of the fullness of him that filleth all things. You get where I'm coming from? Because the mysteries of Nosco have spread across the world. That's why Agabus in the depths of Revelation finds Paul and says, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. For I see that the owner of these things shall be guarded and arrested. And Paul goes past the Gnoskotic prophecy and goes to the Epignoskotic prophecy. <laughs> you get it? So to the level of Agabus, don't go. The Lord has shown me they are going to destroy you. To the level of the man of epignosis. <laughs> he says, it's a small thing. Because to Paul, he says, in every city, he goes, the spirit beareth witness. He's at a level where your warnings are not purpose to him. Why? Because he's no longer prophesying what you're putting on on Thursday. He's prophesying divine purpose. The day men start to speak from this angle, you realize that prophecy will change. Teaching will change. Worship will change. And that's the truth. Hallelujah. It's a place. Tell your neighbor it's a place. As Christians, we have dwelling places. We have places which are a portion to us to dwell. Tonight, I want to define that. I want to open your eyes to something crazy. Proverbs 22 verse 3. The Bible says, A prudent man raaz the evil. Okay. The Hebrew word therefore, foreseeth is ra'ah. Okay. The Bible says, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and what? Hideth himself. But the simple person and the what? The punished. So some of the things that are happening directly to the individuals in the church today are punishments of simple men who passed on what they should have foreseen by the spirit of prudence. You get it? Now at that level, when we're speaking in that level, you must understand that there are certain things that whether you believe it or you don't truly define as of whether you observed them or you just bypass them. And tonight I just want to flip a few things. By the time I end, I might end up in the fifth dimension, but be okay. Okay. When the Bible says that a prudent man foreseeth, the word therefore foreseeth, I realize that many people, when they study the word foreseeth there, yes, perceives. And that's a wonderful thing because you're looking at a place of seeing things by the Spirit. Are you with me? But I was surprised that the root word of foreseeth also in the Hebrew borrows the word to inspect. And that's when the Spirit of the Lord told me something. He told me, Grace, whatever it could be, if the prudent man has the ability to inspect, it means it is slower. The Bible says that the flesh profiteth nothing. 
But the spirit does what? Quickeneth. The quickening is not you moving in speed, but the quickening is you functioning in a life. And he told me that anything that can be inspected is slower. I can't inspect a fast-moving car when it's moving. It has no event around your life. It's faster than your spirit. Before cancer enters your body, you have a faster spirit. Before HIV enters your body, you have a faster spirit. Before they fire you at your workplace, you have a faster spirit. Before your husband quarrels, your spirit is faster to sense. Because you have the authority of perception. And you have the authority of inspecting. But the Bible says, but a simple man, stuff comes and he just and just stumbles on them. Just hits them like that. They just fall sick anyhow. They just fall dead anyhow. They just get accident anyhow. Their marriages fail anyhow. The devil can hold them captive. The Bible says in Timothy, at his own will. The devil wakes up and says, I'm going to give you a headache. And it doesn't matter whether she's prayed or she's not overnight or she's in a prayer meeting, whatever. It doesn't matter whether she's next to a man of God. He's going to give her a headache. There are Christians who live at the mercy of the devil. 2 Timothy 2.6, he says, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. It's no longer that the man fights and refuses. It's the devil wants them. He uses them any ways he wants. He says, oh, I don't want. He just said, lie down. Oh, imagine. They just go poor. They don't have a power to what? To resist. Yet in the minds of men, they have a form. Of godliness. I rebuke. I break that spirit of our family. Of our generation. That is holding me back. I refuse it. I refuse it. I refuse it. Until you start to realize. That the strangers of a promise. Do not strive. For the same things you strive for. And then you realize there's a problem. Because the stranger of a promise. Should strive. For the things that are the portion. Of the sons. But in the body of Christ. Christians are more broke. Christians are more beggarly. Christians are more victimized. They love victimized someone. Do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? They don't want to get to a place of knowledge. They want to get to a point where you can appeal to their need. Do you understand? If her husband left her, preach to her as someone that can comfort her in the husband living. Listen, child, I don't preach those things. I preach that guy back. Because the Bible says the Lord detests divorce. We are tired of victimized summons. We're tired of victimized mentality. We're tired of victimized prophecies. We're tired of victimized teachings. They just put us in a place where we're victimized. Don't worry. You understand? Don't worry. Even though they left you, don't worry. No, worry until he comes back. That's my portion. I have a blood relative. Okay? She called me and said, I have been diagnosed with HIV. I tell her, get in a taxi, find me at my workplace. She comes at my workplace and she tells me, I've been diagnosed with HIV. I told her, you're related to me by blood. You're my sister. You get it? I have a covenant with this God that my kind can't die this way. And I told her, look, I don't care how many machines you've been through. Come. Praise the Lord. I took her to Ebenezer. How much do you check for HIV? They mentioned the amount I paid. I tell her, sit down. And I expect an HIV negative. I'm scared. I told her, no, sit. We sat down. Bam. They checked. She's negative. She had to be. 
I don't care what happened between that time and the time they checked her. She just had to be. I don't know whether you understand what I'm trying to tell you. She just had to be. You don't understand. You had to make it. It's beyond whether they feel it or you had to make it. You had to be a success. It's beyond whether they felt it or they did. You had to be a success. You had to get married. It doesn't matter whether they had generational cancers or your auntie or your uncle. You had to get married. You had to go up. You had to increase. Come on. What do you expect? I'm past victimized mentality. I can't stand it. What do you mean you hope to be healed? You had to be healed. See, it's one thing for a man to possess his vessel. It's another when he can possess another vessel. By faith. That's why you will not produce lame children. Mentally retarded children. You will not. Why? Even now I speak to my kids. You can't. You will never. You don't. It's not your nature. Why? Because you're my kid. Listen, I refuse the spirit. Of victimization. I refuse to be a victim in the story. The Bible says thanks be to God. Who always causes us to triumph. And make it manifest. The server of his knowledge by us. He caused you to triumph. Not victimized. Now sometimes salvation is hard. Sometimes things ain't going to work. Like you want them to. Sometimes you're going to wake up one day. and you. But it's happening with people. Yes. Not Grace Luega. Put your name. Put your name. Put your name. Listen, there's a reason why Jesus was not born lame. There's a reason why he never fell sick. There must be a reason why he went about doing good and healing all of them that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. There must be a reason. One time I saw a man without limbs. And he was comforting men. And my God told me. Your generation won't accept this. It will grow the limbs. Listen, I don't think Jesus would find that man and tell him testify of how you live without a leg. No. He would grow it. We speak the truth in love. He would grow it. He would grow it. I saw a man singing one time on TV with cancer. And he was testifying how he has stood with cancer. I said, God, I wish they bring that guy to Uganda. There's someone here who doesn't believe God can heal. Who thinks God's healing is conditional. I refuse to be a victim. In every state, I remain a victor. Tell your neighbor, in every state, I remain a victor. Tell him, tell him, in every state, I remain a victor. He said, be of good cheer, little children. Oh, for ye have overcome. You have overcome. I've realized that the men who change things refuse to accept them. They refuse to provide for them under a certain covenant. I refuse to accept certain things in this life. I refuse to accept certain things in this life. So I say there's a place where men, prudent, foresee, inspect. They inspect. It's the very place of Genesis 1 4. And the Lord saw that it was good. He inspected it and says, ah, it's a place that approves what's static, what cannot move before the control. Of who moves it. Listen the world doesn't move you. You move the world. Circumstances don't move you. You move circumstances. Situations don't move you. You move situations. You must get into that mind. Where every place you get into. Your mind tells you now. This is it. And that is why when the apostles do the miracle. They don't say. 
the men have come in the likeness of God. No, they say the gods have come in the likeness of men. They can only be gods in a likeness. They can't be men in the likeness of God. So you don't appear like God. No, you're gods that look like men. The Bible says, is it not written in your law that you are gods? He says, is it not written in your law that you are gods? Of which the scripture cannot be broken. So, I'm a God in a body. Because God produces. Cows produce. Dogs produce. Dogs. The mystery of sonship. That's why it had to be Proverbs 22. Because the number 22 is calf birth. Translated as sonship with authority. The testimony of being fruitful. By reason of who you are. Because I'm a child of God. There are certain things that cannot happen to me. You're going to try to tell you. There are certain things that cannot happen to me. If animals that don't have the mind of men. Have a problem touching their little ones. An animal that doesn't have a mind. But it has a problem touching its little one. I one time saw a cock fight a dog. You get it? Listen, the principle is this. It's whose you are. It's whose you are. One time we're coming from uh, church and we're driving. And a woman was behind and there was a young man holding her baby in front. You get it? And then there was this guy or driver. He somehow lost what? Control. And knocked the woman. And then knocked the guy with the baby. And they both fell in a ditch. And when they fell down, blah, in the ditch. The next thing I know, I had the woman scream, my child, my child. She had broken the leg, but she was my child. <laughs> woman, flesh and blood. Her leg is broken, but she's not attending to her leg. Her thing is saying, my child has an issue. My child has an issue. My child. You're a child of God. He loves you, the Bible says, with an everlasting, unconditional love. You used to run crazy when they touch your little brothers. But you think God can watch you being beaten and he what? Oh, no. No. No, 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 no. That's the essence of sonship. That's the essence of sonship. The essence of sonship is it produces a certain confidence in your spirit that there are certain things that cannot happen because of where you are and whose you are. So I'm past thinking certain things in my life. Why? Because I've aligned myself to a course with an inheritance. With a sperm that is not human. It's divine. The Bible says that that which is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. That overcometh the world. Even our faith. The Bible says that that which is born of God. Does not commit sin. For his seed. Remains. And he cannot. Commit sin. Why? Because. The divine sperm resides. Listen. Give me the amplified. He says. No one begotten of God. Deliberately. Knowingly. Habitually practices sin. For God's nature abides in him. His principle of life. The divine sperm. Remains permanently. Some of you. Because your biological father. Contributed sperm. He gave you that nose. Gave you those eyes. Gave you that height. Gave you that hair. And that attitude. But 
that you don't look like God. Oh. oh. If people can look at you, are you so and so's daughter? Why? Because you look like him. Human sperm can reproduce a certain likeness. Now, how about the sons of God? <laughs> no, no, no. Let's think. Look like his eyes. His eyes look like yours. His nose looks as well. The thought, the mind. You understand? Everything. Everything. And when you pass like this, people say, no, that's the son of God. He ain't Mokwaya's son. You pass the level of being defined with the life of men. You're now at the level where you must be defined with the life of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why? Because the dwelling places define you. They just define you. They just define you. They define ranks in the spirit that cause men to respond a certain way. And that's the true provision of prevenient grace. Prevenient grace is a grace that works critical to cause you to respond a certain way. You get it? Why? Because the Lord, even in the first Adamic nature, had put that principle at work. You get it? Even before Adam understood it, he had that principle of life. But not to the fullest because he was not spirit. The Bible says he was of the earth as he. How be that now the Bible says that the first one was natural and the second was spiritual. That means the first man was a natural man. The Bible called him a living soul. The second man, the Bible called him a life-giving spirit. But even with a living soul, the Lord had created a provision for a man. And that is why the biggest sad core of this provenience is he is the light that lighteth every man that cometh in this world. Whether they're born again or not, there's just something about them that defines God. Some of the best musicians in the world were supposed to be the best worshippers in church. You get it? Some of the most clever guys in the world were supposed to be the deepest men in church. Why? Still the light shines somehow. Why? Because the Bible says all fractions of wisdom and inventions are all produced by one mother, Sophia, wisdom. The Bible says she's the mother of all inventions. Even if Einstein was not Christian, he had a light shining forth out of him to reproduce something. You must understand that that grace has even provided for men who are not born again to be a success. Why? Because Albert Einstein could not have eaten very nice food to become clever. There was something that was God given of him. Of whether he knew that the Lord did or he didn't, that's his problem. It still shined. Why? Because wisdom, the Bible says, is a mother of all inventions. Anything invented on the surface of the earth is a light of Christ shining through men who either believed or didn't, but still shined anyway. You get it? And that kind of thing produces a certain urgency that must cause a child of God to respond a certain way. A certain way. But if it finds a carnal man, he approaches that carnally. I'll give you an example. The Bible speaks of um, a time when Jesus comes before a high priest. And then they hold Jesus. And then Peter gets out a sword. And then goes to a guy called Malchus and cuts off his ear. 
then it falls down. And then Jesus turns to this man and speaks epignostically. He tells him, no, you know that I must partake of the cup of suffering. He didn't say, why have you cut it? No, no, no. He says, no, you know that I'm supposed to partake of the cup of suffering. You don't want me to take it? That means Peter cutting the guy's ear is frustrating divine purpose. Until the spirit of the Lord told me something amazing. He told me, Grace, why did Peter carry the knife that day? Why did Peter carry that knife that day? He woke up with a certain feeling of urgency. There was something he suspected was coming. This life shone into his spirit, but lacked a certain knowledge. Buffed up something to tell him, I feel I must be saved. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. John 18, verse 10. The Bible says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant and cut it off his right here, and the servant's name was Malchus. Next verse. And then Jesus said unto Peter, Put thy sword into the sheath. The cup which my father has given me, shall I not drink? Do you want to frustrate the bigger picture? Now, if Peter had understood that by cutting Malchus's ear, he was frustrating divine purpose, and had a certain mind, you understand? But still felt the matter of urgency. What would he have done? Let's just say Peter woke up in the generation that we're in. And the same issue is about to happen to the master. But this time he understands that the master must partake of the drink of suffering. But now knows better enough not to cut off the mind of Malchus. That urgency in his spirit, what would it have done? What would it have done? Hallelujah. Why? You see, Peter was not an ordinary guy. That's why he gets to the twelve and asks them, who do you think I am? And Peter flips with a certain line. I love the way Luke said it. You are the Christ of God. <laughs> Luke said it well. He called it the Christ of God. The word Christ means the anointed one. You are the anointing of God. You are the anointed one of God. You are the anointing. You understand? What I'm to then the guy tells him, flesh and blood reveal this not. And that was the day I realized that flesh has revelation. And blood has revelation. But the Father which is in heaven also has revelation. And that is why the highest place of knowledge, the Bible calls it, after the unity of the faith, the Bible says that we might get into the knowledge of the Son. But a certain knowledge cannot come in the spirits of men who have not yet understood the unity of faith. Some people define Christian networks as the unity of faith. Unity of faith is Elizabeth, John, boom, and then Mary, Jesus, boom. That's what they call network. That's what they call the unity of the faith. The unity of the faith is not because we can speak the same language. The unity of the faith is when we get pregnant of the same things. And what's inside me can only fulfill what's inside you. It can't be any different. If Peter is fishing, then Paul must put the tent for the fish. And John must mend the nets because Peter cannot continue fishing. And the nets break down and he has enough business to mend the nets. But today, when the man fishes, he wants to tent and he wants to mend. And when the mender comes to the guy of the net and he tries to correct the guy of the net, then the guy of the net feels like the mender has a problem. You know what I'm trying to tell you? And when the tent guy comes to the guy of the net, he also has an issue. Oh, the guy of the net has an issue with the guy of the tent because I'm the one who got them to salvation. How dare you come and... 
I'm the one who preached to them. If it wasn't for me, they wouldn't have been anywhere. So what authority, what responsibility, what audacity, what power do you have to come into my house and then break it? And when a man talks like that, I understand he doesn't understand his dwelling place. Paul had to make tents. That was his work. So when the feast comes in, it needs a certain place. But even in the tents, there was a kind that could introduce the men to the tents and the man who had to flood with what has been introduced. So he says, I planted and Apollos watered, but it is the God that gave the increase. And Paul didn't look at Apollos as an enemy and Apollos didn't look at Paul as an enemy. Why? Because they're all in the tent. The fellow tent guys. Paul makes the tent. Apollos enjoys the tent. Because that's what the blessing is. Listen, and when you understand the grace of God, you realize that whether he made the tent or he used the net, it doesn't matter. The blessing still comes to whoever knows their place. Look, a man like Jacob just wakes up one day and the Bible says he was a tent dweller. And Esau, the Bible says, was a wild hunter. And the father, he loved the hard worker. And he says, go get me meat. Make me something good that I may what? Eat and bless you. And the next thing we know, Rebecca. She says, I had your father tell the hard worker to go and work what he knows how to work and cook what he knows how to cook. Because the father says, cook me the venison the way I want it. That means Esau was not just a hunter. He knew how to make the meat. Rebecca comes and says, look, the problem is this. There's a hunter who knows how to cook and you're a tent dweller. You're lazy. But now your blessing is not because you are a hard worker. Your blessing is whether you're in the tent or you're outside the tent, you're blessed. You don't understand what I'm trying to tell you. Whether you pray a lot or you don't pray a lot, you're blessed. Does that mean I shouldn't pray? That's your problem. I don't care. I'm only trying to say that the blessing of God does not seek a man to pray. If you're blessed, tell anybody at Jerry I had to be a success. Then I have a problem with God. Because this guy doesn't work. He's seated every day. And there's a guy hunting every other day. And there's a Rebecca who loves the guy who chills in the tent. And there is a father who loves a guy who works hard. The next thing we know, Rebecca tells the guy, look, I'm going to make it the way I know the hunter can make. Tent dweller is seated. The Bible says, she got the coat of the hard worker to smell like hard work and she put it on him. You get it? She got the skin of the tent dweller and put it on him. This guy is my father. He might sense that I'm not the guy. Rebecca is clear. She says, darling, if any curse should come your side, you still don't see Christ, do you? He became a curse. Oh, he became a curse. She tells him, if any curse comes your side, let me bear the curse. Go. He comes. Two, two, 
with something he didn't hunt, neither did he cook. With clothes he didn't earn, neither hair that he grew. <laughs> then he comes inside like this, boing, boing. And the spirit man says yes. The smell is of the hard worker, but the voice is of a tent dweller. Are you hearing me? The next thing we know, the blessing switched. Why? Simple. The man spoke and said, Jacob, have I loved? And Esau, have I hated? You must understand this. You're beyond working to please God. Paul says, he regards us amongst the beloved. He gave you Jesus. So the labor is of Christ. The body is of Christ. Everything is of Christ. If you don't want to get things that way, trust me, you'll get them the harder way. And you'll grow older and young people will get things quicker. I will kill you. Why? Because you must enter houses you never built. You must have vineyards you never planted. I don't care what you feel. Those are my lines. That's my portion. That's my affair. That's who I am. Not everything will come the hard way. Listen, not everything will come the hard way. And you must settle it in your spirit. Now, Esau can have a problem with Jacob. But it's because Esau doesn't know Jacob was supposed to be that way. He was supposed to take what the other guy earned. I wish Esau had this mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's because of the dwellings. So the tent maker is a tent maker. The net guy is a net guy. And the mender is a mender. And we're all good working in the gospel. But you must understand that whether you are born again or you're not born again, there is a light that shines everyone that comes into this world. There's a place of excellence for everyone, whether you're born again or not. The only problem is this. They are not supposed to be wiser than you if they're not Christian. That's why he says in Luke that the children of this world have become wiser than the sons of light in their generation. That's the same word for the number 22. Sonship. Sons of light. The sons of light ought to have a certain prudence that no man out there in that world should beat you at anything. I mean anything. I mean anything. The best marriage must come from here. The best pilot must come from here. The best businessman must come from here. The best worshiper must come from here. The richest man must come from here. The most clever guy must come from here. Top of the class must come from here. He says you're the head. He said you're above and not beneath. That's why when I look at guys in the world, I just laugh. I look at all these and I say, my God. I'm better than all these unborn again guys. It's not pride. It's knowledge. Get born again. If you're there and you've not accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, it's about time you open your heart. Because the world is about to hate you. Because you're blessed. Not because you're a bad woman. No. Listen. I told people, God wants to bless you to a place where he will provoke men to jealousy. They're not jealous because you're a bad woman. No, they're just too jealous. But it's not fair for one woman to have all that. 
It's not fair for one man to have all that. It's just not fair for one musician to attract all that. Why? Because the frustration in that spirit is very simple. We worked harder for it. How come you have it easy? Listen, quickening is a spirit. I say quickening is a spirit. And that's why I speak upon your life. You'll do things that your peers cannot do. You'll go above and ahead of your peers in the name of Jesus. You'll do more than they can think. Listen, many of you are 20 years ahead of your agements. Why? Why? Because you're a son of light. That's why Job, I think, in 323 asked, why does God give light to a man whose way is already hid? That means they can't find him. Neither his what? Neither his hedging in. He said, there's a man, his way is already hid, so the devil can't find him. He has a hedge upon his life. And the Bible says, why is light given to that guy? That's too much. Why should he shine? When he's already protected and hedged in. Why? Job had a problem. That's who you are. That's who you are. Some people have problems with the way you are. Why always you? Why always you? Why are you the blessed one? Why are you the beautiful one? Why are you the chosen one? Why are you the rich one? I know we all went to school. We all have degrees. We are all clever. We all relate. We know how to speak. But how come he's the one? Is my dwelling place. Blame the guy who put me there, not me. Put your name. Somebody put your name. Why? Why? And that's when I realized that a man can live above attack. It's possible for a man to live above attack. Why is the man's way hid? And from whom is it hid? Listen, it's one thing to have cancer and we cast it out. It's another when cancer comes, looks for you, does not find you, goes to the devil and tells him, Papa devil, I don't see the guy. He's somewhere in La Bonita. He's preaching and I feel it. The light, I suspect it could be somewhere there. But I just can't get to him. Why? Because the way to him is hid. That is why I told my peers, no carnal man can fight me. For our weapons are not carnal. Let's get to the spirit world. Chase me that way. Why? Because the mystery of this is we compare spiritual things, amplify with spiritual people. The true lines of comparisons when we have to compare must be between two lines. Spiritual man and spiritual things. Spiritual man and spiritual things. To us, the spirit world was not a place of imagination. It was a place where we stumbled every day. We move ahead of everything. It's beyond who is talking to who and who knows who. We are always above and ahead of our game. You get what I'm trying to tell you? We're always ahead of our peers. Why? Because we have places that see. That's why I asked you. Supposing Peter had what you had. You see, Peter had not yet been born again. So there was a missing substance in the first Adamic nature. That's why when the serpent tells Eve that God knows that if you eat this, you'll be like God's. Eve doesn't know that the serpent is lying. 
Because there was a missing substance in the first Adamic. You get to the New Testament dispensation. Paul tells you, brethren, we are not ignorant of his devices. So if the serpent had approached you, you'd know he's lying. How can a man lie to you? How can he have two women? One of my own daughters, spiritual daughter, came to me and told me, Papa, I found a man. I said, you found a man? She said, yeah, I found a man. He's good. I love him. He's wonderful. I said, yo, you go find a man? Yeah, I said, yeah, I found a man. I told her, darling, he's married with two kids. She says, no, he told me he's single. I told her he's married with two kids. Research. She said, I'll look into it. After a few weeks, she says, Papa, it's true. How can they lie to you? How can they steal your phone in a matatu that they're going to give you a job? Oh, 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 ay, 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 ay. how can they lie to you? Listen, you are truth. Your truth. By the time he comes lying, the anointing on you can't make him lie. He wants to call it blue, he calls it green. Why you can't lie to who all things are open. The Bible says, for nothing is hid in his sight. For all things are what? Bear before him. Who is that? The one. And you're begotten of the same substance. By the time a man brings a deal and tells you, let's do this deal, you already know he's lying. You already know he's lying. He's lying. Tell him if it's about him. So there was a missing substance in the first what? Adamic nature. So I would understand if a man in the Old Testament might misapprehend certain things, but I don't understand when a New Testament creature misunderstands certain things. Because you're not supposed to be at a place of ignorance. You're not. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how you've been. It doesn't matter where you've been. You're not supposed to be ignorant of the devil's devices. And neither are you supposed to be taught of his devices. Because you're not ignorant of them. Paul did not have demon school. You never read that he had demon school and he was teaching all kinds of demons. No. He says, for when I admitted you, I sought to know one thing. Christ, dead and resurrected. Period. Now, your grandmother's devil, your cousin devil, your judge's devil, that's their devils. What about your God? You see, I have a problem with Christians. They tell them you have a generational curse from your mother and your great-grandmother. They did witchcraft and this witchcraft got on you and you and you and you and you, and you, and you. So you have a generational curse. I say, God, okay, wonderful. If a man can have a generational curse from his great-great-grandfather, then I must have a certain likeness with Paul, the apostle. Because my thing also is a generation thing. It has a genealogy that is in the blood that speaketh better things than the blood of Cain and Abel. Now, the thing in you speaks. Blood speaks. I mean, if the world uses it, the spirit world should also use it. The children of God should listen. If the world uses it, blood speaks. Is he your father? Yes. DNA test. What are you looking for? Blood speaks. Does she have a malaria? What are you looking for? Blood speaks. Does she have typhoid? What are you looking for? Blood speaks. Likewise. Does he heal the sick? Does he raise the dead? Does he change nations? Does he open blind eyes? Death ears, cancerous tumors, arthritis, change the world, flip it. It's in the blood. 
Omusai mugezi, omusai mugaga, omusai munene, omus come on, the blood is rich, the blood is blessed. Katatala barandelese, prolokorandala, kaleblosa, landele, ririkala, the blood speaks a language, brother. Malalabala setele, proleketele. Listen, if a dollar is a dollar in English, in your blood is rimandala. Go to Germany and say Rabababa Kashele. Somebody will identify you. Go to the United States and say Makarabababa. Somebody will identify you. Go to Kenya and say Bakashatalabara. Somebody will identify you. Go to Somalia and say Makalabara Shatala. But he said, This blood speaketh better things. It's your dwelling place. Listen. Some of your past choice. Your past choice. You cannot choose to be blessed anymore. The first time I demonstrated the power of God, I was in a meeting and I was praying and all the people around me fell. I went to God, I told him, get it off me. I don't like it. I raised my silly hands. Say, get it off me, I don't like it. The next time I went in the very meeting, I didn't even pray. I told him, what in the world are you up to? I said, I don't want it. No choice. You can choose to be funny. You have no choice. You can go this world and do everything, but if you are of God, he'll still realign you. <laughs> Why? Because you are bought with a price. You have no choice. He made it better. He says, you're not of yourself. You don't own yourself. You don't say, let me wake up in the morning and then go to and eat an ice cream. You think you're eating ice cream, but he caused you to eat it. He's in the present continuous action of perfecting that which concerns you. You have no choice except to surrender. I have no choice. I must change this world. I just have. You put your name if you want. But even if you say, I am not going to say it, you still have no choice. You will say it. You have no choice. Why? Because it's somewhere. So this covenant is not a covenant of men now trying to look for outside things. No, no, no. It's a covenant of men with an inside experience manifesting outside. We no longer bleed the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus in my house. I plead the blood of Jesus in my car. I plead the blood of Jesus. No, 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 no. We don't plead. We got it. We got it. It's inside our system. It's inside. Don't plead what is already inside you. The blood inside you now is different. Your nature has changed. Now, there were places when attacks could come and afflict you and we prayed them out of your life. But the Lord wants to take you to a place where demons look for you and they can't find you. Where disease looks for you and it can't find you. Where poverty looks for you and it can't find you. Where lack looks for you and it can't find you. Where pain looks for you and it can't find you. Where fake men look for you and they can't. They just can't. They need to go through too much to get to you. There's a reason why the woman with a bleeding problem had to press them. They just couldn't just get to. There was 
was something on this man. There was something on this man. Listen, you shouldn't just, you know, I'm asthmatic. How can you be asthmatic? Some of you, asthma doesn't come. It dwells. How can you have allergies? I was asthmatic myself. Asthmatic. And one time I was reading Genesis. The doctor told me you're asthmatic to smell perfumes. Asthmatic to cold air. He gave me prescriptions of tablets and I tried and they couldn't work. He prescribed a tabula for me to and one time I opened Genesis and I saw one simple line. He created them and they were good. I didn't pray. I didn't cast the spirit of asthma. I told asthma that day good smell is supposed to be good. Cold air is supposed to be good. I'm going to act like you never came in my body. I'm going to act like I never saw you. That was the last time I wished. Ten years ago. How? Cold air. The devil gets into air and makes something inside your... Let it that when he comes, he can't find you. Listen, the Lord wants to set you far from oppression. Far. Why? Because the true place of a prudent man hiding themselves hiding themselves is a true line of his presence. His presence is what hides us. It's what not only metamorphosis us, it's what also sumophosis us. We don't only change into him, but we also carry the mind and nature of him. We've been patterned to a particular nature that when the devil looks at you, he should see God. He shouldn't see a man of God. No. He should see God. Psalm 31 20. The Bible says, Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thine presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. It's possible to be above attack. It's very possible to be above attack. It's very possible to be above attack. It's a place. It's not a state. It's not a situation. It's very possible. It's very possible. So, much as we like getting men out of the danger, we should preach men into rest and freedom. For where the spirit of the Lord is, the Bible says, there is liberty. You must be free when you want to be free. You must eat what you want to eat when you want to eat it. You must dress what you want to dress when you want to dress it. You must minister what you want to minister. Listen, let me help you understand. Christians, God is past the place of your will, my will. Let me help you understand this. Before Jesus dies and the new covenant is written, okay, the mystery of his will was an unknown fact. When Christ dies, Paul says, he has made known unto us the mystery of his will, which is in Christ. So we know the mystery, the secret of everything he willeth. He says, who knows the mind of God that he should instruct him? Who has known the mind of Christ that he should direct him? He says, but now we have the mind. God no longer questions your mind pertaining desire. Why? Because the true place that gave you that desire in God 
was this simple. The Bible says, because of desire, the Bible says, a man separated himself and intermeddles with all kinds of wisdom. There's a wisdom that you're flying into every other day. Why? Because you got a certain desire. He says, I shall cause them to walk in my statutes. He didn't say, I will ask them. He didn't say, I will appeal to them. He said, I will cause them to walk in my statutes. He will cause me not to lie. He will cause me not to sleep. He will cause me not to. I am fully persuaded of the mind of God pertaining my life. The mystery of his will has now revealed me in a place where his trust and the heavenly trust is on you. Heaven is entirely counting on you. Why? Because the mystery that was hid from the ages past and now revealed Christ in you, the hope of glory, directly or indirectly presupposes that now you are dead. But yet you, if, yet not you, but Christ living. And the life that you now live is lived by the faith of the Son of God who freely gave himself for you. That's epignosis. You don't grow into it. You understand it. Listen, God trusts that you can't see the wrong thing. But many of you see the wrong thing because you don't trust that God trusts that you can't see the wrong thing. The mind of God is not revealed to your spirit. That's why he says the wisdom of the prudent is to know his way, not ways. Way. Way. Mind. That's the place that makes the prudent man. Now you're prudent. Not because you read a lot of books, but you're prudent because you accepted who has been made your wisdom, your redemption, your sanctification, your righteousness. The Bible says in him is hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Listen, I used to read that thing and I was thinking in him there is knowledge and wisdom. No, no, he said in him is hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So wisdom and knowledge are in him, wonderful. But all the treasures of wisdom and all the treasures of knowledge are also inside him. And the mystery is that now he is inside you. So in you is not only wise, knowledgeable, there is also treasures of wisdom, treasures of knowledge. Everything knowledge must supply is supplied out of you, not to you. Everything wisdom supplies is not supplied to you, is supplied out of you. For he says, out of us shall flow, shall gush, <laughs> rivers of living water. Look at divine healing. The Bible says to the intent that this manifold wisdom, the many kinds of wisdom, must be revealed to the principalities and powers and dominions by the church, the wisdom of God. It means that the wisdom of God on a man is what proves the person and the power of God to every demon and principality of the earth. Now, if manifold wisdom is revealed to every demon and principality, it means that demons can only know God as far as you reveal him. They don't know him. Why? He has never dwelt in them. So in that place, divine healing becomes wisdom. It stops to be a gift. It's wonderful if it's a gift. But it must get past being a gift to being a wisdom. Making money becomes a wisdom. 
doing ministry becomes a wisdom. Why? Because you require a mastery. And the Bible says that if a man requires a mastery of things, he must be temperate in all things. Now, what temperate there is understand the pattern. God has given you a mind that understands the pattern of every mastery. If you want to be the best preacher in the world, he has aligned the best mastery. He has aligned the best pattern. If you want to be the best worshiper in the world, he has put the right spiritual pattern that men might entertain, but you will not entertain. You'll minister. You will impart wisdom to them that are mature, even in your song. That song goes beyond how good you go, your rhythm, percussion, and beat, but it just gets to a place where you minister to the spirits of men, and men sing this song the whole day, not because it is new, but because it defines God. The same thing is with business. Same thing is with your family. How could Joseph plan for a whole world if it wasn't for this thing? But that's an Old Testament man. He said, you know all things. You have an unction from on high. You know all things. I know how to grow a ministry. I know how to raise a dead man. I know how to do business. I know how to marry. I know how to stay married. You don't understand. Put your name, woman. Put your name, brother. I know how. I just know how. I'm past the expectation of doing it. I'm past the hope. Listen. I'm in the very form and nature of everything that the Lord has promised pertaining my life. Put your name. Are you hearing me? Psalms 91. Give me the message version. Verse 1. Now he's talking to those who dwell in the presence. Because that's where the true hiding is. And I'm not talking of the presence of. Oh, la, 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 la. No. I'm talking of a man who is consistently and constant. Reading your word. You're fellowshipping with the Holy Ghost. You're communing therein. You're singing spiritual psalms and hymns. Making melody in your heart. You're speaking always. You're praying always. In the Holy Spirit. You are dispensed where you hunger for the presence. You respect the presence. You respect the anointing. You understand what it means. You apprehend that which Christ apprehended you for. He says, you who sit down in the high God's presence, spend the night in Shaddai's shadow. Next verse. Say this. God, you're my refuge. I trust in you. And I'm safe. Next verse. That's right. He rescues you from the hidden traps. He shields you. He shields you from deadly hazards. Next verse. His huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them, you're perfectly safe. His arms fend off all. Oh, oh. Not your pastor's prayer. His arms fend off all. Oh, harm. Next verse. And he says, fear nothing. Not wild wolves in the night. No flying arrows in the day. No disease that prowls through the darkness. No disaster that erupts at noonday. Next verse. Even though others succumb all around you, drop like flies right, left. No harm will even grace you. You stand untouched. Watch it all from a distance. Give me the amplified version of that verse. Only a spectator shall you be yourself. Inaccessible in the secret place of the Most High. As you witness. Listen. The people who are fighting you. Get a chair and sit. Because you are about to spectate. You are about to spectate. And the Bible says. You will be not only seen. But you will be inaccessible. If they are being warped. No piece of that stick will come near you. Back to the message. Next verse. He says, yes, because God's your refuge, the high God, your very own home. Next verse. Evil 
can't get close to you. Ham can't get through the door. He ordered his angels to guard you. He said, guard that one. Guard that one. Guard that one. Next verse. If you stumble, they'll catch you. Their job is to keep you from falling. You'll walk unharmed among lions, snakes, and kick young lions and serpents from the path. Next verse. If you'll hold on to me for dear life, says God, I'll get you out of any trouble. I'll give you the best of the care you'll only get to know and trust me. Next verse. And I'll what? Call on me and I'll answer. Be at your side in bad times. I'll rescue you. Then throw you a party and give you long life and give you a long dream. Hallelujah. Somebody make some noise. Listen. The presence hides. The presence hides. Don't hunger for money. Hunger for the anointing. Listen. Hunger for a presence that can hide from anything. Celebrate the presence that can keep you away from attack. That your testimony is not that I got healed of cancer. Your testimony is I've never fallen sick. And that's when I understood the portion of our children. Our children shall say, we never struggled. We never pulled strings. Our fathers did, but we didn't. Our children will say, we went to school easy. We got married easy. We ministered easy. We did miracles easy. We did business easy. We walked in this world easy. And at the end of the day, men will say, one day, certain men walk this life easy. The Wahid. The Wahid. The Wahid. There are certain things that will never, read my lips, they will never happen to you. Raise your hands out to speak some things in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, lovely are your dwelling places with your God. In the name of Jesus, the lines are fallen unto you in pleasant places. You have a goodly heritage. In the name of Jesus, you're changing this world. In the name of Jesus, you're moving upward and upward only. In the name of Jesus, you're hid from calamity. You're hid from evil. You're hid from pain. You're hid from disaster. You're hid from the tongues of men. You're hid from the minds of men. You're hid from wicked and unreasonable people. You're hid from the world that hates. You're hid from disease. You're hid from plague. You're hid from poverty. You're hid from tears. And the Lord declares, with long life I will satisfy you. Because it's the lifter of your head. You're anointed. The presence of God is upon your life. His anointing resides in your spirit. In the name of Jesus. You don't walk out the way you came. You can never be normal. You're going to be super normal. You're going to do super normal projects. Super normal plans. Super normal mind. Super normal life. Super normal business. Super normal marriage. Super normal ministry. Wherever you go, you'll be a wonder. You shall be for signs and portents. In the name of you. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 41 466 
1-800-242-4291 or email us at funerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Make manifest. Thank you.